Well, I have to uh, start off by uh, thanking you all for uh, not getting up and leaving when Eric announced that I was going to preach this morning. <laughs> so that was a good start. Um, all right. So just to put you at ease a little bit, I have my, uh, my bottle of water, so I resemble Josh a little bit. Okay. I've got my notes on half sheets, so I resemble Pastor Eric a little bit. So hopefully uh, I won't look too strange up here this morning. Okay. So, you know, what, what God has laid on my heart to share this morning started uh, back in December. And if you remember, Pastor Eric preached uh, from Psalms 85. And in, in his sermon, he uh, talked about two things that Christ said to his disciples after seeing them for the first time after his resurrection. And they can be found in John 20, 19, and then again in verse 21. And let's see how, uh, how well you were listening back then. Um, who can tell me what was the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples after he appeared to them for the first time his resurrection, after his resurrection? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. All right. Now, I always thought the candy bars were virtual, but this was, they're really hit. They're really hit. So, Dad, I'll give you one afterwards. <laughs> who, can re, who can tell me the second thing that Jesus said to his disciples after he appeared in the resurrection? Shepherd. You got it, buddy. All right. Good job. You get a candy bar too, so you come see me afterwards. We'll get that for you, all right? So, you know, it just really struck with me. Um, why would Jesus say this? Of, you know, of all the things that he could have said, and it's just not so human to say something like that. Let's see if we can get uh, this working. What? Wrong way. Sorry. All right. So, Michael Jordan had already poured in 42 points during the deciding fifth game of Chicago's 1989 first-round series in Cleveland. But his bulls were still down 199 with only three seconds left to play. Double-teamed at midcourt, Jordan pushed through the defense to take the inbounds pass, slid across the top of the foul line, jumped, and still hung in the air as the Cleveland defender fell back to earth. You see, Jordan was already a superstar by that time, but this was probably his first step to becoming a legend. And all during the 1990s, uh, they started with this picture uh, when they went to an NBA game on NBC. Uh, They simply called it the shot. And, you know, it was a great thing that Michael Jordan did. And, um, you know, the Bulls went on to win the game. They won by, by two points. He made that shot. And... I can't imagine that Michael Jordan went back into the locker room and when he got together with his teammates in the locker room, he probably didn't say, peace be with you, okay? Um, But when you think about it, you know, that shot really pales in comparison to what Christ did. You know, Jesus had just performed the most amazing feat in the world that the world had ever seen and will probably ever see by raising himself from the dead. And what does he tell his followers the first time he sees them after his resurrection? Twice he says to them, Peace be with you. You know, and from our human perspective, we would, you know, we would probably look at Jesus and go, what? You know, really? Is that all you had to say after doing that? You know, what, what's up with that? And, you know, why, again, I, I ask myself, why would he say that? And, and then when you look at uh, Paul's epistles, why does Paul use this phrase in one shape or another at least 15 times uh, through the epistles? He says, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you know, we're commanded in Colossians 3.15 to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. 
So again, there's something about this word peace as we start 2018, and I want to explore this with you and how can we exactly experience and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for being a, a gracious and loving Father and yet a, a just God as well. And Father, you have uh, laid this on my heart. And Lord, this morning I'm just trying to be obedient to uh, your Spirit's leading. So I would pray that um, you would speak through me and uh, use me to teach and to admonish uh, through your word. I pray this in your, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to spend some time looking at various scriptures. I, I really don't have any specific uh, piece of scripture in mind to preach from this morning. But um, I guess you could t- take a look at this as being more of a topical sermon. And we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how of letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And last week, Josh, I kind of had to laugh when you used those three words <laughs> in your sermon. But I'd already written my, uh, my, kind of my, my uh, outline out. So you're going to get two weeks in a row of uh, what? why and how, all right? So let's focus on the what first. Uh, what does the Bible say about peace and about God? You know, uh, one of my favorite verses is John fourteen twenty seven. It says, uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, I get the second half of this verse, because in John 16:33 Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's the first half of the verse I want to explore with you this morning. So what is this peace Christ says he will give to us? Well, he gives us a hint, you know, in the verse. He says it's not as the world gives, so we know it isn't world peace, so, you know, a world without war, a world without conflict. On the contrary, we know that uh, this world is going to get worse until Jesus comes again, because we have revelations that tells us about that. Uh, do you remember the peace movement of the 1970s? Um, I don't think that was what Christ was talking about either. And uh, Connie Weaver, thank you for giving me the picture of Ed back in the 70s. I, it, it really worked well in my sermon, so very timely on that. Now, um, in the Old Testament... The word for peace is shalom. And from what I could find, shalom speaks of a completeness, a fullness, or a type of wholeness that encourages you to give back. It was used both to describe an internal peace and an external peace, um, either between nations, between people, or between God and men. True biblical shalom refers to an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. The word implies, as I've already alluded to, a completeness, a contentedness, the way things are supposed to be. And for me, um, my one room in the house to take care of is the kitchen. And so after we get done eating, it's my job to uh, clear the table, to uh, put things away, to, to wash up the dishes, and bring it back into order. And it's that feeling that I get when I'm done doing that. It's just like, that. oh, yeah, everything's, everything's back in order. And that's kind of that completeness that uh, I think um, is taking reference here when, it, uh, when the Old Testament uses shalom. And it's a big part of what God wants to bless us with. And of course, you know, we'll receive that blessing and perfectness when we're with him uh, in heaven. 
But I think for now, it's something that we truly can't experience um, here on earth. In the New Testament, the primary Greek word for uh, peace, and it's funny, I listened uh, to how it's pronounced uh, on the internet, and it was pronounced two different ways. So if I'm doing this wrong, Josh, you've got to forgive me. But uh, at all right, that's the, how I think it's uh, pronounced in, Greece, in Greek. But it means to rest, uh, to, or it refers to rest and tr- tranquility. But a key focus of the New Testament is Jesus Christ himself and the peace that he brings. And when you think about it, um, what did the angels announce in Luke 2.14? They said, peace on earth. But I think it's important that we stop here and and distinguish between peace with God uh, versus peace from God and how those two kind of interact with each other. So if we look at peace with God first, um, let me read to you Romans 5.1. It says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through, and that's a very important word, through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said in John 14:6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So peace with God is recognizing the sin in our lives, all right, and humbly professing it before God. It's when we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection purchased our forgiveness from God, and then it is counted to us as righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, again, in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus exchanged his righteousness for our sin. And he took on all of our sin and we took on his righteousness. It's, it's a crazy thing, but it's a, it's a wonderful thing as well. Romans 10.9 tells us, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now note it doesn't say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. And then 1 John 5, 11 through 13. It says, and this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this is life in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And, you know, it's, it's a fact. I mean, it's, it's definitely a fact that if we receive Jesus Christ into our lives and we believe and confess he is God's Son, we can be assured that, number one, we have righteousness. Number two, that we can be assured that we are one of his children, as we see in John 1.12. And we can be assured of eternal life. And the assurance of these three things, I hope, would definitely bring a sense of inner peace um, to your souls and to your inner being. You see, peace with God is key to experiencing peace from God. All right? I know it's kind of a strange place for my big idea, but uh, here it is. It says you can't experience true peace unless you've connected with the source of true peace. So, let's look at the why, all right? Why is it right to pursue the peace of Christ and let it rule in our hearts? Well, to answer that, we need to look at where peace comes from. And true peace only comes from God, as I kind of pulled together in my uh, big idea to get there. So the Old Testament, God promises peace to his people. And if we go back to uh, Eric's sermon uh, on Psalms 85.8, there was a key verse that he shared with us. 
It was, I will, listen to the Lord, I will listen to what the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to their folly. And that phrase, those two words, his people, very important. Um, let's look at uh, Psalms 29, 11. It says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So we have to be one of his people which again, we become when we uh, put our faith in Jesus Christ, but we have to be one of his people in order to experience the peace that he's willing to give us. I find it interesting in, in uh, Isaiah 9, 6, um, where it describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And when Jesus arrived, you know, again, what did the angels proclaim back in Luke 2:14? They said, peace on earth. So, if you take a look at, again, through Paul's epistles, um, he gets four different references to the God of peace. And you can uh, jot these down in the notes if you want, and I'd encourage you to take a look at these um, in the coming week. But peace comes from God because God is peace. He is the God of peace. Therefore, it's right to pursue the peace of Christ because God is peace. Um, it's just it's part of his character. It's part of who he is as God. And after his resurrection, when Jesus told his disciples, peace be with you, I think what he was really saying was, I'll be with you. Okay? If you think of Emmanuel, it's God with us. And this morning we studied um, more about what does that mean, God with us, in Sunday school. So his presence in our lives is peace. All right? And one of the main reasons that we can experience peace from God or have peace with Christ in our lives when we enter into a relationship with him is because of the new covenant promised by God in the Old Testament and fulfilled by Jesus Christ as described in Hebrews 8, 6 through 13. Now I won't take the time to read it right now, but uh, God's covenant will stand. Uh, it's just a matter of whether we will receive blessings by following him or curses by rejecting his ways. And by curses, I don't mean he's going to put some magical hex on us or something, okay? It's just that if we walk outside of his word, of what he wants, how he wants us to walk, we just won't receive that blessing. And that's the curse. So if we walk rightly with him, we will get in on the blessing of peace from him. James 4 8 is a good one, uh, good one to, uh, to think about in regard to this, it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Now, I don't think James added the second half of that verse just to be mean, okay? I think what he was saying there is these are the things that you have to do in order to come near to God. And so don't take them as being offensive, but those are the things that are, are very important for us to be able to come near to God. Perhaps the best way to say this is that we have a God who loves us so much that he pursues a relationship with us and wants to show his goodness to us. We can have peace with him if we continue to walk with him by faith. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So no, no matter how we respond to that invitation, Jesus will always be standing at the door, knocking and wanting to come into our lives. This truth that God will always keep the covenant he has made with us should bring peace to our lives. 
You know, knowing and trusting his promises is a key component of letting the peace of Christ rule in our lives. So I've, I've alluded to two things um, I believe allow us to experience the peace of Christ. It's our assurance of eternal life with him and the fact that we enter into a covenant relationship with Christ when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. But let me go just one step further if I can and suggest, uh, you know, from what I've been studying, uh, that experiencing the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ comes from making Christ our highest joy and trusting he will do everything necessary to bring you even more of his joy. Now those, those are my words. Um, but if you, uh, if you ever read John Piper, you'll notice that there's a flavor of Piper uh, in those words. <laughs> um, so, but what, you know, what I mean by this is if uh, he is blessing us or if he's disciplining us, we trust him and find joy both because he's present with us in, in both of those things. And when you think about it, even though he's disciplining us, He's really blessing us because he's trying to make us better. You know, last week, Pastor Josh put it this way. He said, regardless of what types of success and fail- successes and failures we have in this new year, regardless of how much money we have, how good our health is, how our family life is, we can begin the year by renewing our minds and turning our attention to God, to keeping God first, to trusting in God above all things, to, have a, to having a desire in a daily pursuit to know God better, to serve him better, and if you commit to that, in spite of the victories or the difficulties you may have this new, next year, it'll be with God, and that's all you truly need. So thank you for those words, Josh. But we just sang, Jesus, I am resting, resting, and let me remind you some of the words that we sang. It said, simply trusting thee, Lord Jesus, I behold thee as thou art, and I love so pure, so changes, satisfies my heart, satisfies its deepest longings, meets, supplies its every need, compasseth me round with blessings, thine is love indeed. You know, and it's such a good reminder to find our highest satisfaction in Jesus Christ. All right, on a little bit of a lighter note now, um, I know we have some left brain people in this, uh, in this congregation, and uh, Ellie, you're married to one of them. Okay. Being an engineer, he's a left brain. Christine, you're married to one too. All right. Um, so for you, you math-oriented people out there, uh, what we have here is a word problem. Okay. And oh, I forgot to show. <laughs> I love this picture. Okay, of Johnny and jo- and and Josiah. Uh, some of you look like that. Some of you math guys out there look like that. All right. Uh, <laughs> But here's, here's the word problem. Okay, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And peace is the variable. It's the unknown. And we have to solve for it. Okay? So, are you ready for this? Peace equals Christ ruling in our hearts. All right? Does that make sense? Peace equals Christ ruling in our hearts. If we let Christ rule in our hearts, Christ's peace will rule in our hearts. Okay? Do you catch that? If we let Christ rule in our hearts, Christ's peace will rule in our hearts. All right, let's look at some application. And uh, this is the how. So building off of these last few slides, I'm going to give you five more things you can do in 2018 to experience or try to maintain the peace of Christ in our lives. And that is at no extra charge, okay? All right. 
So, number one, focus on God's word. Be intentional when it comes to his word. If, you, if uh, we think about Psalms 85.8 again, it says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people. So how do we listen to God? Well, we spend time with him and we spend time with him in his word. Okay? We look at and we focus on his word. Now, I don't want to... I don't want you to read the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible and because Pastor Eric reads it every day, all right? Um, And that's a good reason to read the Bible because he does it every day. But uh, how many of you have experienced this thought that uh, I'm going to feel guilty if I don't read the Bible every day? Okay, good. Some of you raised your hand, all right? For those of you who didn't raise your hand, I'm going to give you a minute to repent because you just lied, all right? (laughs) All right. So, again... You know, don't read the Bible just because it's something you're s- supposed to do. Read it for a purpose. And, of course, that purpose is to draw closer to God. You know, um, on Monday nights, uh, I get together with um, some high school kids. And uh, a number of us Young Life leaders uh, meet with them. And our leader challenged us one week to read the book of John, but read it to see what Jesus said about himself, Okay. What did Jesus say about himself in the book of John? And if you start reading it, you'll see that he said a bunch of I am's. I am, you know, blank. I am am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So he's got a number of those I am's. And it was really interesting for me to read John with that perspective, looking for those things, because it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things that Jesus said about himself that maybe I hadn't been thinking about. And I found a lot of other good things in... uh, in John as well while I was reading it. And sometimes Eric sends out emails and he encourages us to read uh, scripture for you know, whatever reason, why, X, Y, or Z. Um, in Sunday school this morning, he handed out uh, this one page full of verses and it's looking at uh, what does it mean for God to be with us? And you probably have some extra copies. If you weren't in Sunday school this morning, you can probably grab one from Eric. But that, that would be a reason you know, to do a study on what does it mean to be for, for God to be with us? Okay. So, you know, it might be learning more about the Trinity or learning more about the Holy Spirit or looking at the parables that Jesus taught from. Find a purpose for, you know, for reading the Bible more than just for reading it for the sake of reading it. Okay. It's not going to hurt you if you read it for just for sake of reading it, but it really helps to have a focus and a purpose for reading it. Okay. All right. Um, second, have a heart of gratitude. Really key. And I think you know, Pastor Eric touched on this uh, back in 2017 in one of his sermons. But uh, let's take a look at some scripture here. Two, two sections of scripture I want to walk. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Now, I don't think that was just a, an afterthought by Paul to throw in and be thankful. You know, he puts it in a separate sentence. He says, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving what? Thanks to God the Father through him. Another uh, scripture passage, uh, Philippians 4, 6-7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, this attitude of gratitude to have at all times in our hearts, to be thankful uh, for, what, uh, for what God has given us. And, you know, maybe just a couple questions. Um, what are you anxious about in your life as we start 2018? What, what anxiety have you not given to God? And have you genuinely thanked God lately for the things and the people that he has put in your life? Again, having a heart of gratitude is key to experiencing the peace of Christ. And then third, defend your peace. Okay? Know thy enemy. Um, in First Peter 5, 8, 9, it says, Be alert and, sober mi- and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So again, know that Satan, his number one goal is to steal our joy, to uh, steal our peace by attacking where we are the weakest and by causing stress and anxiety in our lives, by keeping us busy, by keeping us tired. He really wants us to take the focus off of God and put it onto who? Onto ourselves. So, Trust this promise that we find in James 4, 7, and 8. It says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Again, in Pastor Eric's uh, sermon back on Psalms 85, and if you haven't listened to it, um, it is on our website. It's a great sermon. You should listen to it. If you have already heard it, and you want to listen to it again, I would really encourage you to do that. Um, But, um, he pointed out several things that we should do to defend our peace. And the, the second half of uh, Psalms 85.8 talks about don't return to folly. And as Pastor Eric described, folly is the foolish or sinful things that we do, sometimes out of habit, um, or we falsely think that they're going to bring us pleasure. Um, another thing that he talked about was uh, don't think that we can guide our lives in a better way than what God can. Um, repent quickly and repent often and then again don't try to justify our sin so those are some good things to practice in uh, 2018 to keep uh, uh, excuse me to, uh, to defend our peace All right. so fourth sometimes you just have to let things go Okay. don't let them steal your joy so I have to confess something here in front of everybody. Uh, during Christmas, um, I often, you know, I, I often would let Satan steal my joy or become angry. Um, There's a song by uh, Go Fish. It's uh, called It's Called Christmas with a capital C. Maybe some of you have, have heard it, but the song is kind of my well, it's kind of my fight song. All right, and it talked about how um, we got away from saying Merry Christmas. Um, and we had to use happy holidays, okay? And we had to use happy holidays because we didn't want to offend anybody. Well, guess what? You just, you just offended me, okay? Because um, being a Christian, all right, you know, Christmas has a special meaning. So at work, I, I get uh, a number of different uh, Christmas cards or Christmas greetings from uh, different businesses, and I'm always interested to open those to see if they're going to say Merry Christmas or, or if they're going to say uh, Happy Holiday. And so... The ones that say Merry Christmas, I would probably display those on my desk. <laughs> the ones that say uh, Happy Holiday, whew, right into the garbage. <laughs> there we go. Okay. 
Well, now, don't applaud me yet, okay? I'm not done. <laughs> so, um, I had, you know, it was, again, something that would just absolutely, it would make me mad. And, uh, you know, I, at home, we get Christmas cards, of course, from a lot of people, as you, as you do, I'm sure, in Christmas letters. And uh, Tarma made this thing that uh, we would hang on the wall. And, of course, it was, it was quilted, of course, because Tarma made it. Um, but it had, uh, it had different pockets in it. And we would put the Christmas cards in there and the Christmas letters from different families. And then we had a tradition in our family when the kids were growing up that before dinner we would grab one of those and then we would pray for that family before uh, we ate. So um, I had gotten the mail one day this Christmas and I'm, you know, uh, looking through it all, and there's some Christmas cards in there, and I open up one, and I see it's from a family that I greatly respect, and I know they uh, they love the Lord, and uh, they do a tremendous amount of things uh, for us and for our congregation. And I opened up the envelope, and this is what I found. Happy holidays! <laughs> and it's from it's from my pastor. What in the world do I do with this? Okay. <laughs> and um, I just have to share with you, it was like Christine and Eric took a big two-by-four and just boof, whapped me upside the head, okay? And, you know, okay, if my pastor can send me something that says happy holidays, it must be all right to send a Christmas greeting that says happy holidays. And so thank you, Christine and Eric, for helping me let this go. Okay? <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I thought it was really humorous, uh, but it, pre- it really did. It, it helped me to let this whole thing of uh, happy holidays go. Because it was really uh, stealing my joy at Christmas time. Okay. So, fifth and final, be at peace with those around you. So this is kind of working on those horizontal relationships, okay? Um, and just let me ask you, you know, some questions here. Are you at peace with your family? Are you at peace with coworkers? Are you at peace with classmates? Are you at peace with others here at Cornerstone? Romans 12:18 says, "If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone." And you know, having that right vertical relationship really helps us with having those right horizontal relationships. And so again, working on that, re- that horizontal relationship helps us bring peace to those, or excuse me, that vertical relationship helps us bring peace to those horizontal relationships. All right. So in closing, um, the other night, uh, Tarma was sharing with me what her goals were for 2018. And if you know my wife, she's fairly organized. Okay. So she had all her goals laid out. And then she gets done explaining those to me and telling me about them. She looks at me and she says, well, what are your goals for 2018? And I probably gave her that look that all of you wives are used to when you say something, when you ask something profound to your husband, like, what? You know? Didn't really have any goals, okay? So, Tarma, for 2018, after working on this sermon, one of my goals is, to the best I can, is to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. And they say that uh, when you give a speech, you tell the audience what you're going to tell them, you tell it to them, and then you tell them what you told them. Okay? So we've looked at the what, and that's the peace of Christ. We've distinguished between peace with God, peace 
and versus peace from God and how those two kind of interact. All right. Uh, we talked about the why. It's, it's right to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because God is peace. And we discussed several ways of how to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So I just, I just want to share two more verses with you before, and I know I've, I've shared a lot of verses, but if I can just uh, share two more verses with you. Um, from John 15:4, it says, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Abiding in Christ means remaining in him. And John the Baptist said in John 3, 30, he said, He must become greater, and I must become less. More of him and less of me is the key to abiding in him and keeping Satan at bay and finding that peace in our lives. So I believe the peace of Christ is something he provides. Um, I believe it's something that he wants us to experience. And it's really him, okay? It's really Jesus Christ. And something that the world around us will notice, giving us the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So in Psalms 37, 5 and 6, it says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Uh, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And so in 2018, you know, my final question is, do you want to let your life shine for God? And that should be our attitude, is letting the love of God shine through us. So, for my closing prayer, and this will be our benediction as well, or my benediction. Um, you can take us through the, the normal benediction, Dan. But uh, this is from Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And it says, Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and um, our final song talks about the Trinity. And, you know, knowing the Father by reading his word, trusting the Son for our salvation, and relying on the Holy Spirit to become more like Christ, again, allows us to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let's stand for our final song.